and welcome to episode four of the Euphoria podcast, where we look back at the great glam and garish from Eurovision past. I'm Roland Bodnam, and as ever, I'm joined by the delightful... Isabel Chilman. Huzzah. How you doing, Isabel? All right? Huzzah. <laughs> That's the campest thing you've ever said. <laughs> and that's saying something. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty, uh, yeah, I'm all right. We're doing all right, aren't we? We've got three episodes out now. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's all right. No, it's great. Of course, I'm loving it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, as ever, we delve into the history of Eurovision, take a little look at some of the current news from uh, what's going on in Eurovision right now. And then at the end of the episode, I attempt to create a Eurovision hit, which Isabel then shoots down out of the sky <laughs> and destroys my dreams. The best bit uh, of the podcast, yes. listening to Roland's ridiculous songs. Uh, so we're back in your kitchen, Isabel. Um, back where we belong. Back where we belong. How are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm really good. Um, yeah, I want to say a little uh, hello and thank you um, to all of our listeners. We were having a look at some of the analytics oh. on the podcast over the last week. We were very, very excited to see that it actually turns out it's not just our mates in the immediate vicinity in London who are listening to this. But actually, we have some foreign listeners. Hello. Which is uh, very good. So we actually, we have some listeners in Croatia. So I've been trying to practice this. Um, and Google Translate is telling me that hello in Croatian is Stravo. 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 S-D-R-A-V-O. Well, Stravo to all you Croatian Stravo. listeners. Yeah. And we also have some listeners in Germany. So, hello. Uh, listeners in the US. Hello. Um, and even some in Australia. Yeah. Hi. Oh. G'day. Yeah, I suppose. For you guys as well. But hi to everyone. Thank you so much. We're so glad this is going um, so far and wide. Um, yeah. We love you all very dearly and hope you've all had an absolutely wonderful, mega, amazing, beautiful Christmas time. It's doing, doing, yeah, no, very exciting. Christmas, whatever you celebrate across the globe, merry that. Merry, um, merry holiday. Y- you've got, you've got the, the thing, the tradition. Oh my goodness, yep. So normally Roland gets the wine and opens it up, um, but I've been left to, to deal with this today. So I thought, a little bit off-piste, but because this is going to be technically like our New Year's Eve podcast, yeah. almost, New Year's Eve Eve. By the time they're listening to it. I thought we'd go a bit off-piste and get Shut some Prosecco, a bit of Prosecco. Wow. That's it's great. Italian. Tell you what, that's going to sound great when you open it. Hey. Good luck with that. So yeah, so um, while Isabel does that, I'm going to do the bit that she normally does and fill. Um, <laughs> What's been going on, Roland? What's been going on at the moment? It's been going good, yeah. Just warming up um, to give you a little peek behind the curtain. Um, we're doing this before Christmas, but I'm sure by the time it's come out, Christmas has gone lovely and um, and everyone's had a had a really good time. So. Um, Christ. Happy New Year! That was loud. Uh, that <laughs> was okay. exciting. Well done. Okay. Here, hold the fizz right. up to the mic. Hey, that's Happy New Year, Fizz, that. <laughs> lovely stuff. All right, lovely. That's for you. Thank you very much. This is very exciting. And this is for me. Blimey. Oh, lovely fizzy goodness. Oh, very excited it's a different about sound. This. That's very nice. It's delicious, isn't it? Sounds so, like a bubble bath. Uh, um... Shall we go into any other business? Do we have any other business from last week? 
the only business I have, bid, bidness, any other business, sorry, the only business that I have um, to do with last week's is, don't know if you noticed this, but after his absolutely vile tweet to the X Factor and the, the gay mafia and Zionists, uh, Steve Brookstein, very unfortunately, is no longer on Twitter, guys. Oh, dear. Bye, Steve. Bye, Steve. Bye, Steve. Hopefully, bye. you will be lost in the same world as that awful Milo man from uh, oh, God, Milo. Yeah. What's Banned. His name? Banned forever. Banned from um, social media. So that's a little bit of an update on that. I've got a little bit of any other business. Um, I know we spoke about um, people across the world sort of giving us a bit of feedback and stuff like that. We had our first um, bit of fan email Yay! in the last week. Um, came from a man named David Chilman. <laughs> Shut up! Did my dad email you? No, he didn't. Your, your father <laughs> sent me an email. Oh what is sent? <laughs> sent Euphoria podcast email an email. I'm very glad you haven't checked it. I was worried you were going to check it. Um, <laughs> I'll just read it to you because it's my. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so David Tillman said uh, the subject line United We Dance. So clearly <laughs> he's only listened to the first one, but he said Isabel already knows this, but I love capitalized United We Dance. <laughs> Next paragraph. A song for Europe, a song for our troubled times. This could be the anthem of a generation. <laughs> And then in brackets, all the way from the west coast of Canada. Oh my god, that's so cute. So, thank you, David Chilman, for that. That was a really beautiful. Oh, he messaged me. I think I told you he what he sent me a WhatsApp message saying how much he loved the podcast, and specifically said in that especially the song. I really liked Roland's song. That's so cute. So a little He's ego so boost sweet. for me. And, oh, uh, thanks, Dad. Maybe, maybe I should get him to start giving me points for my songs because uh, he might be a bit more generous than you are. <laughs> he won't. Be. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't be. send me an email about the other songs. He's very disappointed in you, clearly. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. And on that note, actually. That segues quite nicely into the fact that you can email us if you want yes. to. Oh, yeah. Just let us know what you think in the same way that my dad did, very cutely. <laughs> yeah. um, please do email us and contact us and let us know anything at all, whether it's that you know something extra about Eurovision you want us to tell us or a story you want us to do. And um, please do email us. So our, our contact details are euphoriapodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is euphoriapodcast. Twitter is at euphoriacast. So please do follow us, contact us, get involved, let us know what you think. So yeah, so that's uh, any other business. Shall we move on to the news, Isabel? Yeah, the news. Eurovision news. There we go. Uh, do you want to start with some news? I didn't get any. I did mine before. Oh, accident. God. Steve Brookstein. <laughs> oh, right. I got okay. confused, sorry. Cool. So that was the news. It's over. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> so uh, just a little update. In fact, another update off the back of uh, Steve Brookstein. Um, in the last episode, Isabel, you made a prediction about how far Sarah Alta was go. And you said that you thought <laughs> you thought this time next year she'd probably be doing something like Celebrity Big Brother or something like that. She has signed a five album deal with Sony Music UK and Sony Finland and is gonna be recording on is she's recording a song with Sia and hopes to Shut collaborate up. with Adam Lambert on her new music. So things are going a little bit better for Sarah Alto than you wow. had predicted. So well done her. Well, I mean, definitely very well done her. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a lot of people 
sign big record deals and then still end up on oh on celebrity big brother you're true you're, you're very true i think the teletubbies oh probably had a five album deal so i just googled eurovision and then clicked on news to see if there was anything else because i realized i didn't get any one of the first things that came up from 53 minutes ago x factors honey g reckons the eurovision song contest is too cheesy for her well guess what honey g we don't bloody we want don't you at the Eurovision Song Contest anyways. Oh, that would be me. awful. Can you imagine? That would be worse than da- Dan Samson. Oh, oh. Uh, oh, and also another bit of news. Um, we discussed before that potentially Kiev wasn't going to be able to host the contest. Yes. And there were discussions about that. And uh, But actually, it's fine. Kiev are definitely going to host the contest. There's some, still some problems okay. that they're ironing out. Yep. But it is going to be in the Ukraine, not in Russia. Well, there we go. Um, we should never... So that's Jon Ola, that. Thanks told, to Jon. Told him we should... He did say it was you. it was safe in his hands. So um, that's, that's good to know. Right, okay. Well, that's the news and the any other business done. Um... Shall we move on, Isabel, to the stories? Yes, please. Excellent. Uh, so I'm going to start as we always do. Um, and um, my story uh, is simply called Bosnia and Herzegovina, 1993. So it's 1993, Isabel. The year previous to that was 1992. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. And Ireland won the contest with a song performed by Linda Martin entitled Why Me? <laughs> why me? <laughs> I tell you why. It's because she performed a bloody good ballad, and then she won. So it was being held in 1993 in Ireland. The Irish uh, decided that instead of hosting it in a stadium or a pre-existing venue, that they decided to s- descend on a tiny rural town of Mill Street and hold it in a horse arena, which <laughs> which had been more used to holding Jim Carners than international song contests. It was, in fact, one of the smallest venues to ever host the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh. I don't we know why. We discussed this before about having an intimate an in- Eurovision. An intimate. Mm. <laughs> so clearly it's so, happened yeah. So I don't know why they decided to host it in a horse uh, arena. They just oh, did. The Irish, the funny, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Funny um, so... Also that year, rather inconveniently for the fact that it was uh, the smallest venue, um, the record was broken for the most countries ever performing. So that year, well, ever performing up to that point. So that year, 25 countries were to take part in the contest. And there were three new countries joining that year. The countries were Slovenia, Croatia, shout out to Croatia, uh, and Bosnia and Herzegovina. So really, over that time then... Not many more have joined because I'm pretty sure we're only up to like 27 now. Yeah, 27. Tw- yeah, it is about 27. So not that many. Yeah, okay. so that was pro- probably like, you know, big lineup. So yeah, so as you can tell by the title, we're going to focus on one of those three countries. And uh, we're also focusing on it because it's one of my favourites to say is Bosnia and Herzegovina. I think uh, I always say it wrong. I always say it with a year at the end. I think I always say Bosnia, Herzegovina. I say Herzegovina, but it's it's Herzegovina. Herzegovina. I say it wrong every time then. Yeah, I think people can say it how they want. You know, it's kind of... I don't think they can. (laughs) (laughs) However you want to say it, it's fine. If uh, the people of Bosnia, Herzegovina would think that. Well, I looked it up and I did the thing you did with Croatian Hello and I checked and it said Herzegovina. So I'm going to go with that that presentation. So, uh, Israel, I know I'm going to get a reputation for this, but 
I just want to take a quick look at the political situation that was Love going it. on at the time. <laughs> yeah. So it's in- genuinely from doing the research, it's really hard to find ones that don't go very political very quickly. <laughs> it's really tough to remain yeah. silly. Yeah. It's. It's. I mean, good but luck that, with. I'm actually liking it because I'm getting really well educated. Oh about history god! Now. Like, I never knew anything about European no. history, and now I know a lot. So um, good luck being silly with this one because I'm going to oh, take Jesus. you to 1991 and uh, that area uh, there was basically in 1991 going through the breakup of Yugoslavia Mm -hmm. so Slovenia and Croatia had by that point seceded from the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia and the Socialist Republic of Bosnia and Herzegovina held a referendum for independence which passed on the 29th of February 1992 so basically the people had spoken and they wanted to become independent um, from the Socialist Federal, Federal Republic of Yugoslavia. And, you know, the people, the people spoke, democracy should be carried out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> not exactly. So basically, uh, the political representatives of the Bosnian Serbs had boycotted the referendum. And so the result, when the result was announced, they rejected it. Uh, Following this, the Bosnian Serbs, who were supported by the Serbian government of Slobodan Milosevic, great name. I love saying that name. Great name. Not so great a guy. Horrible guy. Um, and uh, so, yeah, supported by him and the Yugoslav People's Army. Basically, they mobilized their military forces inside Bosnia and Herzegovina in order to secure control of Serb territory. War basically spread across the country accompanied by the ethnic cleansing of the Bosniak and Croat population. Oh, so fun times uh, for Bosnia and Herzegovina, obviously not. But uh, So we're going to zoom in a little bit more <laughs> to the capital city of Bosnia and Herzegovina, which is Sarajevo, mm-hmm. which when all this was going on, I've, I've sort of been aware of all of these names and, and yeah. all these places, but never really looked at it. So Sarajevo was the location of the longest siege of a capital city in the history of modern warfare. Oh, it was under siege from the 5th of April 1992 to the 29th of February 1996. It was Christ. 1,425 days of uh, being under siege. Basically, it was a disaster area. Or, as one Mohammed Fazlajic put it, he said, to use the word hell would be too polite. No electricity, no food, people dying everywhere. We were targets wherever we went. All we were trying to do was live. So things were not good. Um, I don't think I can sum it up any better than mm. those words. Um, this man, Mohammed Fazlajic, um, was actually soon to be the representative of Bosnia and Herzegovina in the Eurovision Song Contest 1993. But first, he had to get there. So let me explain. Mohammed was only 24 when the Bosnian War began. He was an aspiring singer who was living in Sarajevo. Very early on in the conflict, he had to. He was forced to abandon his home because the Serbs took control of the area of the city where he lived. So basically, he was he was forced to find shelter where he could. He spent a lot of time sleeping on friends' floors and sofas. Um, he also joined the Bosnian army, which was tasked with guarding parts of the city um, from the... Um, invading forces so a couple of months after joining the army he set up uh, the the army set up a musicians unit which basically called on singers composers and musicians to come together 
and play concerts wherever and whenever people needed relief from the siege, which I think is beautiful. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, so they would play music and people would be removed from the terrible situation that they were in just for a, a short amount of time. Another relief to the war was, and I think this again speaks to the power of the competition, another relief from the war was Eurovision. So in February 1993, the country's TV station, and bear in mind this is a war-torn country, the country's TV station held a contest to become Bosnia and Herzegovina's first ever Eurovision entry. Oh. 11 acts took part. Um, there were 10 acts who were live in the studio. One act couldn't make it to the studio because they couldn't get there because oh, of the Jesus. gunfire. But they um, played their video. And one of the acts was Mohammed and his band, which was called Fazla. And they performed their song entitled For All the Pain in the World. So they so they actually managed to convince a fairly famous Bosnian songwriter to write the lyrics for them. And the lyrics include uh, lines such as, um, I cannot feel the stars down here from the sky. I cannot find a way to rise us up the road. I can only write and send a song to you to know I'm still alive. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna cry. So this I mean, this is so beautiful. I get like this again. This is what we're saying about Eurovision getting very political. A lot of the time, it turns out that this competition is the only way for the, a country or that certain people in that country feel that they can talk to the rest of the world, and it's their opportunity once a year to say, "We're going through some real shit right now, and we kind of need some help," or or we want we just want you to be aware of it like yeah. we're here and we're surviving it and yeah. we're doing we're having like a really fucking tough time right now yeah for every for every la 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 song there's a song someone going yeah. hi we're here please well, hear last, us well was it last week's one about um that you did about um uh, the german the german so last week's one that you were saying about yeah the german entry that she that during she, um, the cold war yeah that yeah. was really beautiful and heartfelt and she was just a little bit of and, peace yeah just a little bit of peace exactly and last year's same thing as well yeah um, J- Jama- no jamala yeah, yeah 1944 oh. i mean it's it's amazing so actually this song and you know um beautiful lyrics so this song is it's actually the lyrics are basically someone sending their love to uh to their partner who was a refugee who got out of the country and telling her he won't give up and it was true Mohammed's girlfriend oh, Sander Bukvik who was a journalist had fled the city and was in Sweden at the time um and so he was sending his love to her and to say I'm still alive and I'm not going to give up um, oh, I'm getting like goosebumps. And, I mean, this beautiful. story was um, amazing, and and if they don't make a movie about it, I'm I'll be shocked. You make the movie. <laughs> we'll make the movie. We'll, we'll make the movie with our voices. <laughs> so, in an interview with uh, from the BBC, um, interviewer Alex Marshall asked Mohammed. He said it was a bit bleak compared to the average Eurovision entry, isn't it? To which Mohammed replied, "We'd been under siege for three hundred days. What else would we sing about?" Which is fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> what else would you yeah, say? You're not, you're not going to put in one of the la la la, la, la songs, la, la, are la. you? So, so Mohammed and his band won the selection to represent their country for the first time, which is hugely exciting and a huge cause for celebration. However, it also raises a lot of concern as getting out of the city and getting out of the country was effectively like throwing yourself into a gauntlet of gunfire and explosions. Oh to raise the stakes even higher... And this is where it starts to sound like it's a movie. This is real. To raise the stakes even higher, 
Mohammed and his girlfriend Sander agreed that if Mohammed made it out of the country, they would meet and get married and have their honeymoon where the song contest was being held in Ireland. Oh my God, this is too good. So Mohammed, all of his focus was on getting him and his band out of the city where they would... They would perform so and he, he would meet his love. The, oh, this, oh it, Jesus. So, I only had half a glass of Prosecco and I'm already getting teary. <laughs> Christ. So um, they didn't all go together. They went in, in separate um, groups. Um, one of the first to attempt to get out of the city was one of his backing singers, Erka Hadzovic, who was making her escape with five other members from the Eurovision party. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think they were from the band. I think they were... Okay. Um, um, people organizers um so they began their attempt their first try failed almost immediately they had to turn back due to heavy gunfire Mm. on the second attempt they made it out of the city um by working their way slowly down the streets and had to spend the night in a ruined house in the suburb of dobrinja um which was the scene of some of the worst fighting in the conflict up until that point from there, they made their way up Mount Igman, which was a peak held by government forces. And once they'd worked their way to the top, they would travel from uh, by bus to Zagreb. Um, so they, they made it. Others on the same night were not successful. So six people died that same night and 17 oh were injured. Um, so then it was Mohammed's turn. And in interviews, he recalled his attempt at escape and he explained that they had to cross open fields to get out with snipers basically trying to pick them off in the darkness. Uh, oh he my said, God, This is terrifying. He said the Serbs were shooting all night long. Um, they had army guides with them and they got out of the city and they got to the bottom of the mountain. And the guide put him in a group with the guitarist and two girls from the band. And the guide pointed to the top of the mountain and told them to run up it and not get shot. Um, so what he then recalls is it was the middle of the night it was pitch black and it had been snowing so the ground was was thick with mud and as he was running his shoes began to to get stuck so he said I couldn't stop people were shooting so I kept going without shoes for five or six hours this is insane how is this not a Hollywood movie already it's absolutely insane to get to Eurovision I mean he was but you know he so he's said I'm going to meet my love and get married the rest of the band are just going for Eurovision. It's not, and I say just because it's the, like you said, it's them getting their voice out to the world and them wanting to represent their country. But you look at, you know. Oh my God, just everything. He has everything weighing on him right now. Like getting out of the city, finding the woman he loves, getting to the bloody competition, yeah. singing his song, yeah. making sure everyone else is there safe as well. Yeah. And obviously hoping and not, if he's going separately from the rest of his group, he doesn't know if they're okay no. yet. Oh my god, I'm on... Uh... So so after five or six hours of running barefoot up a snowy mountain, he made it. He reached the top and he joined the rest of his band members in Zagreb. Their conductor was meant to join them a few weeks later, but basically couldn't make it because the fighting had escalated and it was too intense, so he didn't make it. So you would think, risking their lives to make it to Eurovision, they would be welcomed with open arms. Well, actually, their place in the final wasn't guaranteed at this point. What? <laughs> they had to go through heats, basically. An, elimina- an elimination round uh, basically took place in oh, Slovenia. did they have to go through Slovenia. the Well, it, it, at that point, it was basically deciding which Eastern Eurovision, uh, Eastern European countries would, would make it. So it was divided and only oh. a certain amount of different people from different regions went in. So they basically got to this point and then could have been sent straight home again. Oh, God. So... Uh, 
fortunately, Bosnia made it through and Serbia was expelled by the EBU because of the conflict that was going on and all the atrocities that were occurring. Okay, good. Good for you, well EBU. Well done, EBU. So, Mohammed and the Fazla band made their final trip to the green, green grass of Ireland where he was united with his girlfriend <laughs> and seemed to be wife. So good. The night itself came and the band gave a rousing performance of their song and received a standing ovation from everyone in the crowd. Everyone oh. had heard about the journey that they had gone on and, and the, the the things that they'd been through to, to just get there. One of the other loudest cheers of the night came during the voting uh, after the host said, good evening, Sarajevo. Can we have your points, please? And after a short delay, a crackly voice came over the line and spontaneous applause broke out around oh, the arena. I'm genuinely tearing up right now. I can't cope with this. So it's a happy ending. It's not necessarily the perfect Hollywood ending. That Mohammed and the Fazla band came 16th in the competition, but... but that's okay. The, the guys in Cool Runnings didn't win the <laughs> Olympic medal either. Well, for Mohammed, it wasn't about winning. In the BBC interview, he explained, for us, it was a very serious event. It wasn't entertainment. We were showing our independence. We were proving it. We were the first people to ever represent Bosnia on an international level. We were, we were confirming our country's existence. <laughs> and to that fact, that to that fact, once the lights were switched off on Eurovision 93, most of the band returned to Sarajevo and, and rejoined the Bosnian army and defended their city. So, oh I mean, God. it just shows, you know, that they, they just, they came, they represented themselves, and then they went back to their city. So... I just thought that that, I mean, that's kind of where it ends. It's just it, the story of one of that the most dangerous journeys ever to the Eurovision Song Contest. Did you know, do you know what, what where Mohammed is now? He's fine. He's okay? Yeah, he's fine. He's doing all right. They're still married. Oh, good. Oh, I'm so <laughs> and, glad. And they're doing fine. Yeah. Oh, he's doing all right. That's it's beautiful, isn't it? my heart. Also, he used to be a model, so he's a good looking guy. Oh. He could just play himself in the movie. Okay. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, I'll find a picture of him and put well, oh well, hopefully of the two of them. Yeah, um, and put it on Instagram. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's it's just amazing. There are, there were other things. That, I mean, there's so many things in it that you know, um, you know, they they recorded their their um, song using petrol generators because there wasn't electricity in the city wow. and just like absolutely insane. But you know, it's not all just like you know first class flights and things like that to to these places. People do suffer and like you say people come to the contest so that their voice can be heard that's beautiful yeah that's a beautiful story not necessarily the funniest story in the world but it's it's quite something that's incredible yeah it's blowing my mind a little bit i know when i was reading it it was just like it kept on when it kept on going i was like how does no one know about this and 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 there was stuff there was stuff online about i think in like 2007 uh, about oh there's going to be this movie being made I, it, by the sounds of it, it it wasn't made but there's clearly spec scripts out there and there's clearly people who who think something should be made of it and, and, by and the, there should be yeah it sounds incredible. incredible yeah well, give you a little round of applause well well done to them well give them a round of applause <laughs> um so yeah impressive have you got your story yeah i'm oh, blown away now jeez <laughs> i well um jeez oh, <laughs> I mean, so my one, I was going to try and out-politicise you oh, this week. Hell. So I've gone very deep it, as well. Is, is this a dark episode? Oh, yeah, I think we've turned a to dark corner. That's all right, though. We can be serious. We've, I mean, you know. I haven't quite finished my... My next one's very chirpy and silly, but I haven't quite yeah. finished it yet. So no, I can't. that's all right. We'll just go dark. Let's, this is the... the well, mine, mine ends happy too. Good. 
Like, I mean, it's so happy it's ending. Beautiful stories. It's, beautiful stories. Yeah, let's okay. tell. Oh, Isabel, this let's is the tell. Beautiful stories week. Let's tell some beautiful stories. Oh, Go on. Okay. Um, okay. So, my story. Portugal, 1974. Mm, okay. Have we done Portugal yet? No. No, we haven't done, done Spain. Portuguese stories. Okay. 1974 was the 19th edition of the contest, taking place on April 6th in the seaside resort of Brighton on the south coast of the United Kingdom. Oh! Back to the UK we I go. thought you were about to say there was a place in, in Portugal called Brighton. I was slightly confused. <laughs> it's not, doesn't sound Portuguese. No. Okay. Um, no, the English one. Um, so the BBC had agreed to stage the event after Luxembourg, having won in both 1972 and 1973, declined to host it on the grounds of the expense yeah. of the contest. Yeah. So as we've discussed before, it's just not feasible if you win too many times to host it. It's very expensive. The Beeb have done that a few times. I was looking up on my research. We come in quite a lot and just like go, don't worry, we'll get it, guys. We'll it's fine. It. Yeah. It's because we're desperate to host it because we know we're never going to win again. So we're like, we'll take it, guys. Don't worry about it. I mean, basically, that means we won, right? Right? <laughs> If you host it, you won. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's back in the UK, um, but it wasn't the UK that won. Mm. So this was the year, 1974, that the United Kingdom was represented in the contest by the British-born but Australian pop singer Olivia Newton-John, who finished in fourth place with the song Long Live Love. Uh, And it was also the year that ABBA won with Waterloo. (gasps) Wow, big year. Big year. So... It was it was a very big year and normally I would do a bit of a and this was this person and this is what this person was. I'm not gonna do it because there's so many potential stories out of nineteen seventy-four. I'm just focusing on Portugal. Saving from another podcast. There's so many good ones. <laughs> Genuinely great. Um I think Abba's we're gonna have to do like a double special oh, just God, yeah. to do Abba. Yeah. Because they're so bloody great. Yeah. Um okay. One thing, oh yeah, one thing I did find though that I'm gonna have a look into further to see if I can, I think this might be a Eurovision mystery to solve. Oh. I've not had a proper look yet. Is that Malta had selected um, Enzo Guzman with the song Peace in the World to represent them, but withdrew from the contest for unknown reasons. <laughs> unknown reasons is very mysterious. Very. Surely they had to like, just, they just didn't, they just said nah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so that's going to be my task is Guzman. to discover why Malta didn't enter it in 1974. If anyone knows what happened to Guzman, yeah, please give know. us an email. Euphoriapodcast at gmail.com. Exactly. Okay. Try to pronounce some foreign words again because we're English <laughs> and we can't speak other languages because we're horrible people. Um, Sorry. E di- oh, crap. I learned it the other day as well and I've forgotten <laughs> you really it. You really tried Give hard. Second. So I think it's pronounced again. It's pronounced E depois do adios, uh, which is the Portuguese entry and it means either i found two different translations of it and after the farewell or after the goodbye okay i mean similar sentiments yeah yeah so this was performed in portuguese by paulo de carvalho um it's it's a ballad Mm -hmm. with paulo taking the role of a man who is faced with the end of a relationship oh god i know how it feels (laughs) (laughs) all too well this is a song for you roland here we go um, I wanted to know who I was, what I'm doing here, who has abandoned me, whom I forgot, I asked myself. I wanted to know about us, but the sea doesn't bring me your voice. It's like he's looking into my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paolo goes on to tell his lover how he feels, likening her to a flower that I picked, implying that the relationship was of a comparatively short duration. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, we're going to not draw any more comparisons now. <laughs> Uh, he also comments on the nature of love itself, singing that it is winning and losing. So it sounds a bit, ooh, but mm. actually it's quite an upbeat sounding ballad. Yeah, okay. I was, I'm quite into it, yeah. despite the, the lyrical content yeah. that makes it sound quite serious. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of imagine it being used in the back of a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, I saw him yesterday. Wes Anderson? <laughs> yeah, I saw in him. In the street? Yes. Shut your mouth. Him. He looked so much like Wes Anderson, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was Wes Anderson. It he... was Wes Anderson. Yeah. What, no, what, explain, explain. Do you know, like, what you expect Wes Anderson to look like? He was wearing, like, a uh, like a mustard yellow um, turtleneck thing and, like, a tweed jacket and a tweed suit. It was Wes Anderson. He's in London filming his latest animation, and I just walked past him. My brother, no was, my brother was ahead of me, turned round and made the face like you'd just seen Wes Anderson and I was looking at Wes Anderson and I just looked at him and went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey! Yeah, Wes Anderson. What a celebrity spot. Yeah, it was good. I mean, you can't really ask Wes Anderson for a selfie on the street, can you? But... No, but that's fantastic. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> little well, aside. How, oh, that's so well-timed, isn't it? Oh, great. <laughs> um, yeah, Paolo absolutely belts it out at the end and when you watch the video on YouTube again all these videos are available on YouTube you can watch basically every oh, contest yeah. online yeah. for free uh, the audience some of the audience gets their feet <gasps> applauding standing Ooh. ovation it's very powerful yeah. it really blasts it out yeah. great singer so the song was performed 16th on the night uh, and at the close of voting it had only received three points placing 14th in the competition mm. which was l- tied for last with Switzerland, Norway and Germany in a field of 17 which I think is total bullshit because it was yeah. a great song but when you think back strong competition yeah. ABBA won that year yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the greatest pop songs ever made and Olivia Newton-John was in it he had stiff competition yeah. that year yeah, yeah. so very unfortunate but it was a great song and actually now thinking about it when you listen to those other songs I think his would have done a lot better maybe like five years earlier. Yeah. I think it was a bit... A bit old by that point. Past its time, yeah. 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 It would have done a lot better in the 60s maybe. Mm. But it was a great song nonetheless. Yeah. So the song didn't do very well in the competition, but mm. less than a month later, it was to play a part in ending a 40-year dictatorship. Shut up. I'm going super political this Sh- week. Yeah. <laughs> What part did it play? Well, this is what you're going to find out. Get yourself was it just, comfy. It just played and it was so beautiful that they just stopped fighting. Near enough. No, 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 it's not that. Okay. By 1974, Portugal had been run by an authoritarian dictatorship for over four decades. So the Estado Novo, or New State, were considered by many to be a fascist regime who took charge of the Portuguese government in 1933. In the late 60s, some entries to the contest, as we've you know, we've discussed before, they can be very political songs in terms of wanting to speak about what's happening in your country. Yeah. But actually, also, some uh, entries from dictatorial regimes were featuring distinct metaphors for freedom disguised mm. as love songs yeah. in order to avoid censorship within that country. Yeah. So one example I found was the 1967 Portuguese entry by a guy named Eduardo Nascimento was called The Wind Has Changed and it was about um, Portugal um, while they were still in power, uh, they were still a colonial power in Africa's Angola um, and it was sung. So Eduardo was actually the first um, male black singer Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I heard about, I heard about him just yeah. because he was the first black. Yeah, singer. and he yeah. was only, he was actually only the second black singer in the song wow. contest. So the year before was the first female black Gosh. singer. In late April 1974, 
the left-leaning military plotted to overthrow Portugal's dictatorial regime. Mm. Then led by Marcelo uh, Cetano, I think it's pronounced. The rebel leaders decided to broadcast a coded signal over the radio to indicate the start of the uprising, soon to be known as the Carnation Revolution. That signal was Paolo's <gasps> After the Farewell. No! Yes. So this is a less than a month later. So that was the sixth. It was on Eurovision. Uh, and then on late in the evening of the 24th of April, 1974, the song was played on the radio as a secret signal to alert the rebel oh soldiers God. to prepare for the beginning of the military coup. There was a second song uh, that was broadcast, which marked the actual start of military operations in the coup, um, which didn't have any Eurovision um, connections. Uh-huh. But it was uh, it was called Grandola Via Morena by Zeca uh, Afonso. Wow! So there were two songs. Yeah. So his his song was played. Paolo's song was played as a secret sign to say, "Get ready, guys. Get ready. We're doing this now." Um, and then the second song was played to say. Things are happening. I think that's like right the most now. poetic start to a war I think I've ever heard. It's crazy. After it's the goodbye, crazy. Jesus Christ. So, the revolution started as a military coup organised by the Armed Forces Movement, which was composed of military officers who opposed the regime and some elements who had been fighting the pro-independence guerrillas in the Portuguese Empire's um, territories in Africa. Mm. But the movement was soon coupled with an unanticipated and popular campaign of civil resistance. So despite repeated appeals by the revolutionaries over the um, broadcasting over the radio to ask people to stay at home and not come and join them to keep oh them God. safe, thousands of Portuguese people descended onto the streets <gasps> of Lisbon holding red carnations, um, placing them in the muzzles, muzzles of rifles and in the uniforms oh of army men, just all of them backing the resistance yeah. and saying, we're with you, we're doing this with yeah. you absolutely yeah. involved so red is obviously it's a symbolic colour for socialism and communism uh-huh. Uh-huh. which are the main um, ideolo- ideological tendencies of many anti-new state insurgents so that was obviously why mm. they chose red carnations and as the civilians mixed with the military insurgents there was an audible euphoria that's the <sighs> sentence I found online oh little reference a euro euphoria <laughs> <laughs> It was the end of the Estado Novo, which was the longest lived authoritarian um, regime in Western Europe and the final dissolution of the Portuguese Empire. Wow. Although the Estado Novo's political police killed four people before surrendering, the revolution was very unusual in the fact that the revolutionaries did not use direct violence to achieve their goals and almost no shots were fired. Wow. Just That's carnations. The most poetic and peaceful revolution. Isn't it wonderful? I think I've heard. This is beautiful. Uh, the coup returned uh, democracy to Portugal, ending the unpopular colonial war in which thousands of Portuguese citizens had been conscripted into military service and replacing the Estado Novo regime and its secret police, which repressed, uh, ele- they repressed elemental civil liberties and political freedoms. A new constitution was drafted, censorship was formally prohibited, free speech declared, Yay. and political prisoners released. Yay! Yay! Portugal's new regime pledged itself to end the colonial wars and began negotiations with the African independence movements. So by the end of 1974, Portuguese troops had been withdrawn from Portuguese um, Guinea, which also became then became a UN member state. And this was followed by the independence of Cape Verde, Mozambique, Angola in 1975. So they just did like all the right things yeah. by the sounds of it. That coup started this huge snowball effect yeah. that changed not just Portugal, but 
but a lot of the world, yeah. like huge sections of the world at that wow. time. Yeah. So the, car uh, the Carnation Revolution, as it is now known in Portugal, also led to Portugal's withdrawal from East Timor in Southeast Asia. And these events prompted a mass exodus of Portuguese citizens from Portugal's African territories, uh, creating over a million Portuguese refugees, which ended up being known as the Retornados. And there was a film about that. I, had oh, wow. like, I, haven't, I haven't watched it. No. But I think that's um, probably quite beautiful and heartbreaking. Mm, to watch. I'm sure, yeah. So, while many Eurovision entries have sparked protests and disrupt over the years, it's widely believed that this remains the only song to have actually started a revolution. Oh my god. That's amazing. How incredible that is that? That is amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. And in Portugal, you, the 25th of April is still now a national holiday known as Freedom Day. Is it really? So it's a good, it's a good thing. Because all of these things that we... Uh, like, when we report them... Oh, when we report them. When we talk about them, obviously you know, we're coming at it from one angle and we can cheer. And I'm always aware that obviously there's bad things that go on on all sides of a conversation and everything like that. And I'm yeah. sure someone from the country or wherever from whatever's going on will listen and go, well, actually, you know, actually there was a lot of things. But I'm glad that they celebrate that day. And that's a, it's a good thing. And it all came from that one song. What a poetic way. Do you think they chose the song because of it or just a random song? I'm not sure. I couldn't find anything that said that they'd, I think... Oh, yeah, I couldn't find anything that said that it was chosen specifically because of the meaning behind it, but, um, but potentially it's quite it was. a responsibility, isn't it? Imagine if they just like took our podcast and said, "Well, when we play this on Radio Four, it's going <laughs> to." <laughs> it's quite. I don't think our podcast has as much meaning, really. Uh, I mean, they're quite poetic, aren't they? Yeah, that's stunning, and it's Isn't a. That it sounds like an entirely, almost entirely good thing that yeah, happened. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe. Oh God, I hope it was. Well, it ended. It ended yeah. the longest. And they celebrate it today. Dictatorship, you know, yeah. or regime. It is. I'm sure uh, it is. I'm just. So I'm, I'm just <laughs> worried that someone's going to email us and go like, actually, it ended in a Holocaust, and that was. <laughs> but no, it didn't. Mm. It's fine. Um, wow. So that's that's stunning. That's really quite something. Isn't that we've done both done very quite rather intense but ending what? on a beautiful note. I feel stories. quite I feel quite warm inside. They're, they're very Christmassy yeah, now. Well, I mean Christmas is over, but <laughs> it's festive season. Uh, yeah, it is, but also it's not. It's the festive season, isn't it? But also we're time traveling. It's twenty second. It's the eighteenth. I don't know what day. <laughs> he doesn't know what day it is. It's the twenty second. Yeah, no, I do. I feel very. I feel very Christmassy too. It's quite. Yeah. It's quite something. I feel like there needs to be jingle bells in the background. No, oh, I ain't got any. Instead of jingle bells, Isabel, <laughs> how about a song from Yours Truly? <laughs> I forgot that this was part of the podcast. I forgot. We were were doing you just it? ready to wind down? I was like, oh, we're finished. Don't now. wind down. Next we've still got. We still got time to go. Uh, so. So we've had three songs so far. You would think that I'd be running out of ideas. Far from it. Mm. Um, this time though, so the last the last three, they've all been quite sort of quite big themes, haven't they? So it's been about um, bringing people together. Mm -hmm. It's been about love. Been about um, the power of song. So I decided this week to to try something different to to bring it a little bit closer to home, to be inspired by what's around me. So here in London. Um, we've obviously got the uh, the underground, the tube, and recently um, we've had a, a run of introducing um, the uh, all night underground, uh, the night tube. Um, <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> or as I'm going to refer for it from now on, the nightline. Uh, 
So oh, <laughs> I God. was inspired by that um, to produce a little song entitled Love on the Nightline. <laughs> do you know, do you, ever, do you remember the band Northern Line? Nope. So do you remember the Big Brother episode, not episode, the Big Brother series that had Ziggy and Chantel? Yeah. Um, so Ziggy, his actual name was Zach, and he was from a terrible boy band called Northern Line. <laughs> I once met at a service station when I was about... Did. 10, 11, was obsessed with them. Oh it was only God. me and my friend Roz who knew who they were in this service station. They were beautiful uh, boys. Ziggy was. Somewhere, I think my parents might have them in Canada, there were photos of Northern Line that I took on my disposable camera <laughs> at the time. You have to fish them out, put them on Instagram. They had a song called Love on the Northern Line. Oh, uh, well, before it was only the Northern Line. Now it runs at night. So now it's Love on the Nightline. Love it. Um, Maybe we could get Ziggy to sing it. <laughs> If this is any good, we'll see. I don't know if you'll want to sing it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm going to play it and then we can talk about how it how it went. Are you ready? Yep. This is Love on the Nightline. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your final call for the Nightline. All aboard the Nightline. Final destination, love. If you're having a good time with a brand new yourself a fellow who can show you the world if your money's run short but your energy's high running on your luck with a look in your eye there's a one-way ticket at a quarter to nine show me some moves and you get on just fine if you're looking for an answer well then this is your sign it's time to get down all aboard the nightline past three you'll be looking for me silently howling so that i didn't ruin the song wow yeah it's a bit different i am fully on board <gasps> oh sh- <laughs> i'm so i i do not know your scoring i was like putting this in i was like oh she's gonna fucking hate it no that was hilarious oh my god okay so the idea was because the other ones have been like very eurovision like lots of synth and and lots of that this one i was sort of inspired by um belgium's entry do you remember belgium's entry last year it was that little red-headed firecracker who did that funky like so it is a little bit like that isn't it yeah so so a little bit funk yeah because because you know okay like every every euro vision there's always a couple that you're like oh this is like an actual song this is like an actual song and like you know all of them are actual songs but some of them are very eurovision <laughs> all of them are actual songs <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> no but like this is 
an actual song, not what? just a pile of shit. Even even Manzies <laughs> from from two years ago. It's oh, a yeah. very Eurovision song. Like it's like yeah. But you, so what you mean is if you took it out of the Eurovision yeah. context yeah. and just threw it into the charts, that's what I it mean. You just be own. like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, you know what? Let's do a song that's that's not uh, not not relying on those Eurovision tropes. I'm going to do a little bit of funky, a little bit of you know. And I thought, love on the nightline. What a great. <laughs> <laughs> I love the line, uh, um, and at quarter to three, you'll be looking for me. me. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I do have to caveat this with, please do not make love on the night tube, because oh no, please you will get that. arrested. It's and also, it's a, and it's a dirty place to be. So. And also, I don't want to see that when I'm going home for a night out. <laughs> so as a concept for a song, great. As an actual act, not, not okay. Very illegal. Yeah, very illegal, and just you'll pick up something. <laughs> um, so... Well, I'm excited about this because... So, okay, do you want to... Okay, I'm going to give you my proper review yeah, of this Yeah, let's do a proper then. review. Go on. Um, so I loved the funk aspect to it. Mm. I was dancing away, bopping mm. along mm. straight away, mm. really enjoying it. Loved some of the lyrics. Yeah. Very funny. As I said, quarter to three, you've been looking for me. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Loved your little sexy intro, talking intro to it. That yeah. was very funny. Um. I think the lyrics got a little bit lost at points. They could need some work on them. They're, they're fast and yeah, they they go they go round and about and they sort of repeat but differently. So there's di- similar rhymes, but they yeah. Okay, I was just going to say I think they were a little bit weak at points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I just you know yeah you know, it's fine. But very very good. Mm, I was very impressed shit. by that. Wow. I quite want to listen to it again. My hopes are high. Mm. So <laughs> let me work out my French numbers okay. again. Oh my god, this is. I was. I didn't. Well, I was just very confused. Okay. I am going to give this. Oh, I don't know now because I'm trying to work out if I like it more than the first one. I'm going to give it. Nerf. Okay, okay, that's okay. Nine. Yeah, that's okay. That's your second highest scoring yeah, one. So and I'm far. okay with that because I I didn't know what to expect with this one. So okay. now I know. I've- yeah, no, I really, really liked it. I think the only, yeah, you lost minor points. I think United We Dance, Divided We Fall, lyrically was stronger. Yeah, it was really strong. And because it was very much a, it had just such a Eurovision vibe to yeah. it, buzzing about it. Yeah, yeah. This so close to being matched yeah. at 10 points yeah but just just pipped to the post you know what i'm happy with that i'm i'm happy with, i was i was disappointed with last week's six but i'm <laughs> very happy with this week's nine we're on an upward trajectory guys we're doing really good so i'm very very excited about that uh you know what we're gonna we're gonna leave it on that high so um if you want to get in contact with us it's uh, we've said it a couple of times but it's euphoria podcast at gmail.com for email it's euphoria podcast on instagram and at euphoria cast on twitter uh me and isabel tweet and instagram a fair amount so please do follow us on those yep. and and give us a fan mail so that the only person who e- has emailed us isn't isabel's dad <laughs> Um, be quite nice if it was just my dad in fact actually shout out to dad uh, just keep emailing us yeah, that's if you fine. could every week we'll just we'll have your dad section and you can tell us your review of what you think of Roland's stuff that'd be really nice that'd be really quite appreciate fun yeah so, so do that I've never met you but uh, I really appreciate the email so that's fine <laughs> he's coming over in the new year you can meet him then maybe he could be on the podcast uh, <laughs> oh he'd love that he loves Eurovision does my dad honestly well, that's we'll where let... I get my love from my parents they used to host no actually we'll talk Save about this another time yeah <laughs> Uh, so that's the end of it um, 
thank you very much for listening. Um, we hope you have a really good new year. Happy new year, everyone. Happy I'm going to finish off this bottle of Prosecco because Roland has to drive. <laughs> um, as we say at the end of every podcast, baby, I'll be your Conchita first if you'll be my... Daz Sampson. Yay! <laughs> Goodbye!